talk about some gutter. Mm. Why, why don't you intro this portion of the show? Well, this portion of the show is where we uh, get into a little bit of gutter talk, talking about the bits and ends gutter of talk. the the comic book and pop culture scene. And if you don't know where the the word comes from, it comes from two places. One, it was another show that we used to do called Gutter Talk. We kind of sandwiched them all together. Um, And two, the gutters are the white spaces that you find on the comic book page. Those are called the gutters. So we are talking all in around the, the comic book page. And we're starting with an email that we got from Christopher St. Saucy Good night. Yeah. Um, he has a question for you guys. What three unconnected movies would you put in a movie night? Usually on Saturday nights, I watch movies all night to maintain my sleep schedule. The week before last, it was a uh, a little movie marathon of Parent Trap. Confessions of a Teenage Drama Queen and Freaky Friday and Herbie Fully Loaded. So and all, what's your face? Assuming the Parent Trap was the Lindsay Lohan one, which I... Yeah, oh yeah, they're all Lindsay Lohan movies, yeah. yeah and yeah. the Herbie one too, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, those movies are connected. <laughs> but last week, I watched Flight Plan, Red Eye, and some of Air Force One. The sound quality on Netflix was really bad, so I didn't quite finish it. Can you think of three movies with no or minimal connections that you would put in a movie night? And then I'll go to the next question. I, I, I caveat, or um, wondering, or caveat, like he, a movie night to be enjoyed or something to restfully kind of background noise, because that's what he just described. So is this stuff that I want to fall asleep to that I'm comfortable with? Or is this like schedule a marathon? Hmm. Hmm, I don't know. Because those are two totally different things. I will say, I will say to enjoy. Like, okay, he puts it on to fall asleep to keep his sleep schedule. But Christopher says, talks a good night. He's a special guy. So if I'm going to plan a movie marathon, it's not to sleep. It's to enjoy so what three movies would you put together to enjoy just as the way you're enjoying are uh the person that who has come on to the show and that's that guy right there uh hi everyone can you guys hear me yeah hey brandon hey brandon we'll let you start brandon so what three movies no because i okay We, we all just heard the question we don't, yeah. we don't. I missed yeah, the so, question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What, can, I'm about, that's why I'm about to repeat it. What like, three I'm movies? Brian. <laughs> what, what three movies uh, with no or minimal connections would you put together to, uh, in a movie night? Um, about time. Hmm. The Dark Knight. Oh. And. Uh, uh, I can't think of a third one. I don't know. Uh, the musical. No, but that's those are all real. Just Hamilton. We'll say Hamilton. There you go. Right. Is, is there any type of loose connection, or, or are you just naming three movies? What kind of my three like favorite kind of things? Hmm. They also, there's a loose connection in that there's always like a romance element in them, sort of. But that's The it. Dark Knight, it's very loose, obviously. <laughs> 
Uh, wait, is that about time the Justin Timberlake one, or there's another movie? No, no. Time, right? that that's in time. In time, that's right. That's about time. time is um, it's a British movie with uh Rachel McAdams and Hux from Star Wars. Whose name oh, I forget? Uh, Domino Gleeson, I believe. Yeah, that's a good movie. I just saw that recently. Very good. Movie. Everyone should watch it. Yeah, those are good picks. I would I would enjoy that evening of of filmed entertainment. Hmm. I wouldn't. <laughs> he would make it his business. <laughs> oh, only reason I wouldn't is because I would not like Dark Knight would have to be the last movie because I would yeah. fall asleep on, on Dark Knight. <laughs> Dark Knight, not Dark Knight Rises. Yeah, Dark Knight. I would fall asleep on Dark Knight. What like the- after he captures the Joker, I don't need any more of the movie. Okay. It's a good. It's good. But I don't need any more of it. I would be, I would fall asleep, and I would be fighting to make it to him capturing the Joker. Well, especially after like <laughs> the Hamilton, <laughs> which oh, I, Hamilton, I've watched it five times now, guys. It's great. Oh, uh, see, I find the first half. Uh, after the first half, I'm like, I'm good. Really? Because I think I, I, think think I, I the opposite. I was like, the first half, I was like, oh, this is really good, but I don't know why everybody is talking about it as much as they are. Uh-huh. And and then I mean there were elements of it that were awesome in the first act, but then the second act I was like, whoa, here we go, this is oh. awesome. yeah, I really yeah. Dark Knight Jefferson, no Hamilton, oh, Hamilton. <laughs> yeah. Dark Knight. God damn it! No, I mean I, uh, I think I have I think I have. Um... <laughs> oh, I, I, I love that I just come back differently though. That's my favorite part. Um, I would, I would, I have three that I would pick that are, that are not related. Um, the, uh, Little Shop of Horrors mm. film, the, the Rick Moranis musical. Ooh, yeah. Um, the original RoboCop. Oh, whoa. whoa. And, oh, um, shift. and George Romero's Dawn of the Dead. Oh, jeez. Whoa. Jesus Christ. Are we friends? All because, right. because they are all wonderful, effective, and incredibly intelligent satires. Mm. All of them. Like, they are almost parodies how spectacular... They're such good satires that people don't know that they're satires for the most part, unless you, like, know film. Like, that most of RoboCop is a joke about fascism. Mm. (laughs) But people are just like, shit's blowing up and it's fucking cool. Like, I love that stuff. Actually, you could swap RoboCop and Starship Troopers mm. in that That's lineup. Good. But the idea of, like, consumerism, um, uh, environmentalism, and uh, fascism. Excellent what order, satires. What order are you showing them? Um, so if it's if it's a marathon, um, it's going to be John, Robo, and then Little Shop of Horrors. Because if I start mm. to fall asleep, I'm going to want to fall asleep to a musical so I don't have nightmares about people being exploded or eating each other. Okay. Okay. Hmm. Cool. Should I say my order? Sure. Yeah. Cause I just thought of it. So it'll be about time first cause it's British and then it'll be Hamilton cause we're leaving Britain. We're leaving England. And then it'll be <laughs> the dark night because then that's firmly in America and there's all the money and it's all about capitalism. That's well, a kind of, and it's all British, British actors doing American accents. So yeah, this is true. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Um, I, I, I'm gonna go next. 
I would, and mine definitely have a connection. Um, but these are just movies that I think that people don't appreciate anymore or have, haven't been appreciated for quite some time. So in order, mm. it would be The Jerk, um, Dead Man Don't Wear Plaid, mm. and then Roxanne. The great movies of Steve Martin. Steve Martin. Nice. Cool. Ro- Roxanne's my least favorite in there, but it's still. Oh, great. I love Roxanne. Oh, Roxanne. I, I, Wait, I, hang on. When you compare them to the other two, it's my least favorite in there. I didn't say it wasn't enjoyable. Yeah. That's what it sounded like. Yeah. That's what yeah. I think the movie's shit. <laughs> I think it's garbage. I think all he did was like slap feces on microfiche and then project it wide. I, I wish you could see my cursor, Noel, because I'm I'm up your nose. I'm up your nose right now. <laughs> JD's pretending to take a phone call because he doesn't even want to deal with us. <laughs> oh yeah, is it? So, so he doesn't realize that he can drop himself out and we can still be on the show. Hmm. Nope, I want to see it. I want to see every 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 burp and whistle. <laughs> Uh, so when I when I when the first question first was asked, I was like, "All right, I got two. What's the third? And now I have seven or so. Because <laughs> <laughs> um, one thing I was thinking is like, "All right, like comfort movie. Like, what movie will I always watch if it comes on? Right? And mm. the Birdcage is on that list. Uh, mm. Yeah, Ooh, I love that I movie. Love that movie. Yeah, and um, and especially knowing that like." The Pierce the Toast line is an ad lib. Ever since I found that out, I'm like, I just enjoy that line so much more, you know? Oh, when he he's trying to be like... Smear the toast? Yeah, where he's like, you know, men don't spread, they smear. And then <laughs> Nathan Lane is doing this, and he's like, what's it? He's like, ah! <laughs> and Nathan and Robin Williams like, hey, you pierce the toast, don't worry about it. <laughs> but it was, he just accidentally broke the toast that yeah. he was doing. Anyway, I love that movie. Um, Coming to America is on that list, but I haven't seen it on TV in a long time. So, mm. you know, there's that. Um, but uh, let's see. There's, I was thinking American Beauty, oh. um, which mm. is maybe my all-time favorite movie. Um, wow. wow. Yeah, but I but I haven't seen it in about 20 years. So that's the other, right? Like, it enjoyed place, but not, not for a while. Flavors change like more rapidly than 20 years you should revisit that movie mm. uh yeah. when it came out it really spoke to the whole like free yourself from mm-hmm. the the like uh doctrines of society right and sometimes even i'm like do i want to rewatch something that i loved because i love it now you know um uh like fight club came out around the same time and spoke to a lot mm-hmm. of the same feelings um what was, the, what was the other one? Uh, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. Oh, I love that movie. Yeah, that's another. That's another. That's old. the first one I've seen of the ones you guys have mentioned. Oh, really? Ooh. <laughs> the movies, man. You haven't seen The Birdcage? No. No. He wasn't was alive. I've Birdcage, I think. I've seen movies that were made when I wasn't alive. <laughs> he Brandon was, what? So young, have I. Young Frankenstein. It's not those. Yeah. Wait. I, so I don't like horror movies, and my, my dad came home one time Halloween. He's like, we're going to watch Young Frankenstein. I was like, I don't want to watch Young Frankenstein. No, he's like, <laughs> and you know, just sit down and watch it. And I'm like, I don't want to. And he smacked oh, you. It's not a- <laughs> and then what did you say? Just oh, keep doing the voice. My all time favorite movies in the history of comedies. It is one of the best. 
Oh, qu- quick aside on Young Frankenstein. Yeah. I was walking home one day with my daughter. She may have been about four or five years old. And I don't know, for whatever reason, Young Frankenstein was in my head. Mm-hmm. And I started singing out loud, you know, uh, uh, I, and I can't remember the words. Like, where fashion fits. And my daughter, without missing a beat, said, put on it. Oh my God. I had no idea that she had ever seen the film. She must have watched it with her mom. I was like, you are my daughter. And then we just walked home singing that for the rest of the day. Like, oh my God. It's, it's oh, still one of my awesome. favorite memories. Cool. <laughs> All right, on that book, and that's on my list then. I guess mine would be Batman 1989. Mm. Okay. Dread. Which one? The new oh, one. Dread, the one Dread, not Judge Dread. Dread. Okay, 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 okay. And uh, the Iron Giant. Well, oh, I've never seen that. Oh, you've it. never it's seen that. the Iron Giant? It's true. Oh, okay. Oh, he can't take it. He oh, left the show. Oh, yes. He's, gonna bring, he's, he's grabbing the toy. There oh, it is. There yeah. it is. Oh, I've seen it in your store, JD. Definitely. No, oh, that was the toy. This is the statue. Uh, oh. Oh, nice. Oh. Brian, do yourself a favor yeah. and watch the yeah, Iron that's what I have recently heard like some things about that movie that I almost would rather not have heard before I heard them, but I was like, ooh, that's good. And plus, I didn't know Brad Bird did it until recently. Oh, man. I, I got to see it in the theater. Like, ooh. I just begged my dad to go, didn't know anything about the movie other than it was a cartoon that weekend, ooh. and we all cried. Oh, wow. the, the best damn, it's the best, one of the best animated movies. It may, yeah, it, it may be one of the best. If somebody said it's in the top 10 of animated movies of all time, I would not argue. That is how yeah. good that, that movie yeah. is. Yeah. All right. Brandon, have you seen The Iron Giant? Maybe when I was real young, but I don't remember it. Okay. Yeah. All so, right. So, so it's a no. Yeah. Also, yeah, pretty much. Of, of Vin Diesel's career. Mm. I mean, you know what? Have you seen all nine Fast and Furious? <laughs> Yo, Boiler Room was pretty sweet too, but I won't. I argue. mean, the pacifier was amazing. Uh, it, actually, his best his best performance is in Saving Private Ryan. To be honest, True. oh, I just watched that again. Boy, that movie! Oh, I forgot he he was one of the one of the troops, right? Like one of yeah. the main. Yeah, uh, not about that with the little girl. Mm-hmm. Uh. Uh, what's up with gutter talk, Len? Oh. So, I, there's more from Christopher St. Saucy Goodnight. Oh, yeah. He ain't going to be mad at me for not reading his whole email. Um, so, he continues with the second part. Have you ever had... Wait a minute. Let me check the rules. Are we cursing again or not? I don't care. Okay. Were we not cursing? I, I think I did a, a couple times. I'm sorry. Have you ever had to deal with a dick store manager? I went to Target in the wee hours of the morning to wait for them to open so I could buy the Target-exclusive G.I. Joes that were scheduled to come out on Saturday, August 1st. There has been some wavering on when it will come out, and they kept changing the date. But early last week, they, Hasbro, confirmed they would be released in stores on the 1st and online on the 14th. But apparently, it wasn't communicated to Target, and the manager wouldn't sell them or even go back to the back of the store to get them. The kid at the service desk confirmed they had them, and he was rather rude about it. Granted, I have been up all night and may have been in 
edge myself, on edge myself, but still, he was rude and haughty, smug about it. I wasn't the only one there who wanted them, so it's not like I was asking him to take my word for it. Plus, we had the press release tweet from Hasbro. I skipped out on voluntary overtime to make sure I could beat the scalpers slash flippers, and now I'm going to have to leave work early on a Friday morning if I can to do it since it's a day after I work all night. The perils of being a collector, I guess. Any unpleasant store clerk slash manager encounters uh, can you recall? And JD, I am watching your unboxing video, and I also had the pokey little puppy, but I also had... Uh, Hiram's red shirt. Chris St. Saucy, good night. I I don't have anything specifically like that uh, where I'm in like battle with the retailer because at the end of the day, you mostly you, you just won't win. Like if they're not going to sell you something, they don't have to sell you something. So it's a very weird like fight to be in. Mm-hmm. But I have been in in situations where the retailer is just an asshole. Mm-hmm. Like uh, when I engage with somebody, whether I'm trying, I'm trying to buy something from them or they're, they're selling something or whatever, it's never, it should never be a closed conversation. Mm. It should always be leading, you know, like I have gone into shops and just been like, Oh, Hey, do you guys have, um, this? No, we sell out of that. Oh, okay. I'm going to go fuck myself. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for like, like it's it's very closed and it's very pointed to essentially shame you into bothering asking, and that I don't, I don't abide, and I never shop there again. And or I have actually told them that was shitty, and then left. Like I've literally told retailers, like you don't have to treat me like a child and or a subclass citizen. I'm literally just asking a question. I'm sorry if it inconvenienced you. So to always vote with your dollar, and just don't go to that store again. Period. Now, I've been on both sides of that, right? Like, I've definitely um, had retailers treat me, you know, as a, as an ass or whatever. I've also, I worked at a movie theater for 14 years. And, mm-hmm. like, one guy called me a douche for saying, <laughs> he was like, hey, the, you know, the movie was really loud at this free screening of Iron Man 2. He's like, the movie was really loud. And I'm like, oh, you know, sorry about that, sir. You know, if you come out, we'll always do it. He's like, yeah, it was so loud, I couldn't even talk to my wife. And I, I was like, yeah, well, we you're, we really prefer that you don't talk to during the movie. And he's like, you know, for a manager, you're a real douche. And he flipped me off, and he left. And one of the other guys was like, that oh, was good volume, man, good. So, you know, the, uh, I just bring that up to say that from his side of the story, he's probably like, you know, one time I met this real douche of a manager, and he said... You know, he had this real flippant response to my complaint about the volume. Um, you know, I don't know. Uh, it, I, yeah. I managed a movie theater just as long as you did. Yeah. Um, and for the, yeah, I, it's a hoity. <laughs> um, there were some really dumb people, though. Like, it was weird. Like, they, for some reason, there's something special about the movie theater where people seem to think that it's a, it, it's less of a service and more of like a exalted event. Mm. Where you are to be catered to, like no, it was. No, we just make sure that the presentation is is right. optimal. Yeah. Other than that, like this is not your television. We're not going to like hmm. adjust everything specifically to you. I can give you tickets. I can help rectify it. But I mean, ever, if you didn't ever. like the movie, you don't get a refund. Right. You know, I actually that kind of shit. Yeah. Once, 
But oh, I like, more than 20 more, times. Yeah. Uh, yeah. My my mom has said that when she was a kid, they would dress up to go to the movies. Like this was yeah. this was an event. Right now, yeah. Um, but uh, it's funny you should say that about the tickets because it ties into into Christopher's question. That uh, one time I had a customer come up and they said, uh, "Hey, you know, I didn't like the movie. There, the movie was done." They're like, well, "I didn't like the movie. Uh, can I get a refund?" And and we said, "No, you know, we don't do that." He said, "But if you don't like the meal at a restaurant, they give you a refund. You know, or they don't make you pay for it." And I said, "Well, they." make the food you know we just show you the movie and i was very polite about it uh, but pointed it out and the customer was like oh yeah that's a good point and he left <laughs> you know uh, so i often find that it's it's best to approach it no matter which side you're on from a question of from a standpoint of like hey you're just doing your job you're not in charge of target's rules hey if there's anything like could you help me out with this but if you can't i understand you get a lot more out of people if you um, don't confront them. If you like kind of, hey, we're all just people trying to get through the world. If you can help me out, that's great. If not, yeah. I understand. You know, a yeah. lot of times people I have never- a similar um, problem to what Brian's story was. Is I actually had gone to that movie theater. Um, that's how I met Brian, right? Did we meet at your movie theater or at the comic shop? I assume comic shop, but it's okay. it's in the murky reaches of time, you know. And I was there, and I was at an Iron Man two screening, and I just really wanted to talk to my wife about spaghetti. <laughs> I had had a particular no, no, I had particularly good spaghetti Dude. there. And I wanted to tell my wife about it, and the movie was so loud. Um, no, and we couldn't text. We couldn't text because they were like, yeah. "Hey, put away your phones," and I was like, "All right, Stalin, making yeah. me do whatever." <laughs> Um, it's funny. It's funny you point that out because I used to go to this uh, comic book store and like this like ginger headed manager there. Every time I would. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I just want. I was just waiting for it. <laughs> oh, I moved. I moved in the Hollywood squares. <laughs> oh, I'm one foot to JT. All right. Wait, wait, wait. There we go. Um, so uh, I, I guess I have two. I had one where I was. Uh, the customer and I have one where I was the person in charge. Um, I was um, going to an old comic shop in Northeast Philadelphia. It was my comic shop, the one that was closest to me. I had to walk to it because I, you know, didn't have a car yet. I wasn't of driving age. I was very young. And um, it was a, one of my first experiences in a comic book store that I remember. And I had gone and I was excited to buy whatever it was. Maybe it was an image comic. Maybe it was a... Uh, Something, whatever, whatever the comic book was, the person selling it to me thought I was not spending my money correctly. And I was buying uh, a comic that he didn't like. And so he sort of like scoffed at my choice. Um, And it was then that I decided if I ever have a comic book store, I am not going to be that guy. Um, And he also made fun of, you know, there is a thing I saw recently, a meme where uh, it talks about vocabulary and how I learned a lot of my vocabulary through reading. Mm. So I didn't always pronounce things correctly. Um, Like fruition. I always thought was fruition, but anyway, there was a comic book called parallel lives. Does anyone remember this? I didn't familiar. I had asked for, I saw it behind the counter and I said, Oh, what's that book? Parallel lives. And I'd, I'd used the wrong lives, lives, spelled the same right, way. Right. And he was such a dickhead 
Because <laughs> I said parallel. I assumed maybe it was about it was a Spider-Man villain right. named Parallel. I mean, that's the correct that. way. That is a correct way to pronounce that word. Yeah, <laughs> like, exactly. Um, but he made fun of me for it, so I was like, "I'm never, I'm never going to do that." Who but as a guy who was running a, another comic book store, a, a customer had come in and he was flipping through a comic book very slowly, page by page, almost panel by panel. <laughs> um, and I said, all right, he's sitting there, he's reading the book. I'm going to let him have the one. Hmm. I'm not going to say anything. I'll let him get through that one issue of him slowly sitting there reading it at the shelf. <laughs> and um, As soon as he picks up another one, I might say something. So he picks up a second one and I come over and I go, hey man, that's just so you know, like we don't mind you flipping through the books, but you can't really just sit and read them. I mean, that's kind of like stealing right and he's like what do you mean it's stealing it's not stealing and i was like well i mean you're enjoying a thing that you're supposed to pay for for free right um and i thought i was having a very what i thought reasonable conversation uh, like if you go to a movie if you don't pay for the movie you're you're kind of stealing the movie right uh, and he just he wasn't having it he was so upset and he threw the comic book down and he left he was so angry um so yeah, I've been on both sides of the counter for that sort of thing. Um, I've been the—I guess I've been the asshole manager, but no, yes. no, no. That, that but, situation. But I, I was an asshole manager, and right. I wonder if we went and talked to this Target guy who didn't want Christopher Saint Saucy Goodnight to buy his action figures. I'd just be curious to hear what his side of that story would be. Well, it sounds like his side of the story would be: we were told we can't sell this yet, and I have other things going on, and I can't go and verify. Like he'd probably have to call his district manager or something yeah. to verify yeah. that this tweet is correct. And you know, I mean, he's at work. He's dealing with who knows what he's dealing with, and um, that is probably what his side of the story is. Is what yeah. it sounded like. Did anybody not give theirs? Who? Well, I mean, I have like a few. I remember um, I went to like my first free comic book day, and it was a, sh a store that's like near my kind of near my house. And the guy, like, he wasn't, like, really rude, but he was just kind of standoffish the whole time. And I was like, hmm, this doesn't seem fun. But it was also, like, one of the first times I'd gone to a comic shop. So I was like, I don't know. I've heard comic store owners aren't that great, honestly. Like, they say that online a lot. So that's kind of what I, I was like. I don't know. Maybe this guy is just like this. And then um, I had a friend who lived closer to there, and he doesn't read comics, but he said he went in there once. And the guy was a dick to him, too. So I was like, I guess that guy's just a dick. And then I went to a different comic store, and people, the people there were like, they weren't, again, they weren't rude, but they also weren't, like, engaging or trying to help or anything. And I was like, hmm, I guess it's just comic book people. And then I went to Amalgam, and they were really nice. And then I went to JD, and he was really nice. And I was like, oh, there are good people. The, those guys were just were just assholes. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, I've always found that, like, I hear that about comic stores, and I'm like, what? is that all about like the comic store has always been a welcoming cool place for me and i'm sorry that there are i think it was a previous generation too you know like i don't know, I don't know. There, for that. there's a there's a purveying kind of um idea of gatekeeping comics on mm. the retailer level that i do it does still exist yeah we're just lucky enough to have yeah in our immediate area a handful of stores that aren't like that but yeah. it's it's less common than it should be even the even the very popular stores that we hear about, I've yeah. been to like in in major metropolitan areas, and man, they don't give a shit if you're there yeah. at all. 
Yeah. So, it, like, being on the other end, being on the, the you know this side of the of the ownership, um, I've still gone to shops in Philly, and nobody yeah. like the guy was there at the counter, re, like reading his comic book like this. Yeah. Didn't look up for once. I was in there for twenty minutes browsing around. The, there was a cat, and the cat greeted me, so that was cool. Now um, I know where you I were. Don't that yeah. as a problem. Right? <laughs> I don't. I don't see that as an issue. I know. <laughs> I feel like for whatever reason, we feel like when we walk into a store that we are here with the money and no. they do. No, 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 no. no. Hang on. A- I'm not saying that you guys have, I just think it's like an underlying current in our oh. American kind of like how we approach retail. The customer is always right. Exactly. Which yeah, is I don't agree with that. You're the owner of the store, but yeah. if you're a customer, no good, you know. I well, I think there's a so there's a difference though. It's not a I am here to regale you with my dollars, serve me, versus hey, you walked into my home. Hi. Yeah, that's it. Didn't say hi. Simple as that. But when you think they, about it, like I know what Shopee's talking about, and yeah. they don't give a shit if you're alive, let alone you're inside their room. It's and, really weird. Like I've I, walked through that store and looked and been like is someone working here? Like you, you feel like you don't eat, like what the hell's going on? Yeah. It's I don't weird. know what, I don't know what story he's talking about. Um, cause I do know a comic book store in Philadelphia that is famous for having a cat there that, um, I, my experience has always been very welcoming when I go there. Uh, I have, and, and I only go there now since maybe, two three times a year yet when yeah. i but when i do i'm almost always remembered by the people that are people mm. that are there and if i see someone who i don't recognize they do greet me when i come in you know even even if it is to check my bag it is still to say hey how you doing you know and then they check my yeah. bag and they say you know do you need oh, any yeah, help you know um so the cat's very nice too right so I don't the know if this is, is nice. maybe fair. I don't know if this is the same comic book store that you're talking about, but um, the comic book stores that I frequent, like my two comic book stores, are always are Amalgam and Hero Complex, and there are probably, honestly, two other comic book stores that I go to um, that I'll visit, like maybe about two, like I said, two or three times a year, just to you know put my face into place. Um, and my experience at both of those stores have been nothing but like cool. Well, that's the other thing, right? So uh, on another level, I'm also, I try to keep aware of the other person's day. Mm. Oh yeah. Um, like if the, and it's a lot of it, actually a lot of it may be, first of all, it's empathy, right? It's me mm-hmm. being empathetic towards someone else having a bad day. So if someone cuts me off in traffic, while uh, there is a, a hint of I'm so, oh, I'm so angry at you for cutting me off, um, I also try to think maybe they just got a call that someone's dying. Yeah. Mm. And, and, you know, my feelings about traffic law notwithstanding, right? you know, they have to get to a hospital or, or they have to get home to maybe, you know, the cat is sick or something. You know, they're in a hurry. Yeah. So I try to be aware of that. So, like, even, you know, with Len, what you're saying um, – Maybe the person at the counter was just having a real bad day. They were having, they were breaking up with their girlfriend. They were, someone was sick, something like that. I always try to take those things into account. I know a lot of, a re- not, I'm sorry, not retailers, customers, like people who shop, you know, which is everybody. Um, <laughs> but 
they will go to a place like a, like a restaurant and they will have a bad experience at that restaurant the one time they were there. And then that restaurant is dead to them. I'm yeah. never going back there. Yeah. Whereas I try to be like, well, I didn't like the wings, but I wonder how the cheesesteaks are, you know what I mean? Or, or something like that. Or maybe I just, the, the chef, they had a bad chef that night. Yeah. Um, Where's so the threshold like, though? What? Where's the threshold? The entire menu? Or like, no, 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 that's not even a hypothetical. I mean, like how many times until you start to kind of like create a pattern? Oh, I would say like, if I go a second time and if I give him a second chance and it was still awful, then I'm like, I might rethink yeah. visiting there again. You're dead two. to me. Yeah. yeah. No, then, yeah. Then, then I will murder them. Yeah. yeah. You'll be dead to everybody. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they will just be dead. Um, Is that the end of uh, the email? That was the end of his email. It was indeed. Um. Action figure expert says, hey, question for Gutter Talk. Do you guys think there is facial recognition in the DC universe? Maybe someone like Superman needs to start wearing a mask. I have an answer to this. Uh, and it was presented, I think, by jo um, John Byrne in the Man of Steel series for Superman that he did post-crisis. Mm. Wherein um, there were cameras zipping around Metropolis trying to take pictures of Superman and all of the pictures come back blurry. And yeah. they thought there was something wrong with the um, the cameras. Mm -hmm. Turns out, Superman, whenever he's in his costume zipping around, he will vibrate his face at such a speed that you cannot take a picture of him. Yeah. Yeah, the but Flash does that. Awesome. Yeah, yeah, Garrick. yeah. Yeah, yeah um, but also, too, uh, the DC Universe knows who he is. Now he do. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> yeah, I, I, um, yeah. True. And also, there's no how many other heroes are that are that popular and that like mysterious don't have some sort of face covering. Yeah, true. That aren't like public. Yeah. Here's the other he thing: he was the only one. We, you know, secret identities started in the late '30s, and things were a lot different back then. Um, it is. <laughs> That's a funny picture I always saw. This is what I always think of when people bring up Superman and facial recognition. That's great. It's always. Yeah. Yeah. Explain it. Explain it for the audio. Oh, right. For the audio people. So it's a picture of Lois and she's on Facebook and she shared a picture of herself being saved by Superman and Facebook tagged it. And they're like, do you want to tag Clark Kent? And she's super surprised. She's like, wait a minute. What? <laughs> what an amazing comic strip. This like a one panel. Yeah. That is perfection. Thanks for bringing that. I didn't, I was like, what is this down here? Who's this other person who's joined the stream? <laughs> yeah. um, you know, though, I, uh, in defense of Lois, people are always like, how did she not realize she spent the whole Silver Age knowing that Clark Kent was Superman and trying to prove it and constantly being thwarted mm -hmm. by some super hijinks that he did? Like, she knows. She just can't prove that he's Superman, you know, and, and then believes it otherwise. But with any of these guys, like, secret identities, I don't know that they would really work now. Like, maybe you wouldn't know who Batman is, but... If somebody with enough resources wanted to find out, I think they could find out. You know, you'd figure out who the Flash is by a variety yeah. of technological oh, like, cameras everywhere. You know, a lot of stories now are, are, are subverting secret identities for yeah. the most part. Yeah. Like, if not fully revealing who the character is in their secret life or not, they will uh, bring in other, they'll, they'll rectify that other characters knew or always yeah. knew or right. kind of know. Like, even with the Joker now. Like you've been dealing with this dude for eighty years. Yeah, I know he's Bruce. Like in uh, uh, on the the CW shows, uh, one thing I really like is that they still have secret identities, but the people close to them 
they don't keep it from. Yeah, they don't. They no. don't play that. Like, well, because yeah. also too, like, uh, I think, I think that's kind of a societal thing too. It's not as widely accepted to just be constantly lying to your loved ones <laughs> in your inner circle. Yeah, it's not yeah, as widely yeah. accepted as it once was. It's it's <laughs> not as yeah. It's not as, like uh, living a lie. Right. It's not as acceptable as it once was uh, in the community. Like the Flash got married to, in the comics. He got married to Iris without telling her that, like, here's a large mm. thing what I do with my day. And it really is most of my own identity, too. <laughs> hey, kids, look up consent. <laughs> <laughs> now, it turns out she did know, but not because he told her. Like, she uh, but- did it's earlier, not- earlier, Christopher saying saucy goodnight uh, uh, accused one of us as being woke. I'm going to say it's null consent. No. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, I think we have some woke topics. If you guys want to keep talking about facial recognition. Um, why are we here? Our gutter, what is, what's our gutter talk chit chats that we haven't even gotten to yet? <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I know. Gonna- we've been talking for two hours. I think we've done That's a, what I was a, a bunch of gutter talk. Look, All right. I- Brandon, Brandon's been hot to talk about something specific. I guess we'll do it next week. Well, yeah, but it like, no, like when said, it's been two hours. I don't want to like be here all Hold day. On. Oh, yeah. I, um, also, I mean, Nolan brought something up too, like this week that I thought we were going to talk about. So there's yeah, a few the, topics. The for two of them want the to future. talk. What do you want to talk about? Guys, look, I, I, I put together a drift. There, there are two. There. <laughs> oh, it's just us now. No, have you heard yeah, about okay. Time War so, Victoria? Doctor Who? Okay. Uh, no, okay. So there are there are you two You lost topics. your shot. You blew your yeah. shot. No, I'm, I'm not going to. This is my shot. I'm going to take it. Um, there, there You're are not throwing your shot? There are two. I, there are two topics. I can do the whole song if you want. I got it. That are pretty prevalent in the uh, comic book industry that we were going to come up uh, or, or use as like a prompt to start conversation with you guys to get your opinions. Because the whole idea of gutter talk is to kind of talk about what's happening outside of just the stories. Mm-hmm. So one of the first things was these this underlying prevalence of sexism in comic books or in the comic book industry. It has always it's always been kind of known that it's. Um, kind of like a boy thing and most of the characters are cis white males and uh, women are usually objectified. This is an historic thing that's been happening in the shadow of the me too movement. We've also been discovering that it's not only something that potentially happens on the page, but it's also something that's very prevalent in the industry. So in just the last like two months, uh, very large creators and editors are being accused and or admitting to sexual harassment, grooming, um, predatory behavior. Um, and then on the other side, you have a lot of groups that are um, claiming that the industry is turning into a SJW factory and they're exalting all of these voices by virtue of them only being of color or only being uh, a gender other than, than, than male. Or, like uh, essentially they're claiming affirmative action as opposed to opening up the industry so like some of the some of the things that are happening or that that have happened recently um you've got creators like warren ellis was accused of grooming um cameron stewart was accused of predatory behavior uh scott alley who was the um editor in chief of dark horse comics was straight up accused of sexual assault uh eddie berganza two years ago notoriously harassing all of any look anybody in a skirt at dc for many years and it was hidden um scott lobdell 
just mm. stopped doing freelance work for DC in kind of a clandestine way because it was kind of known or at least assumed under the surface that he's a he's a the kind of guy that doesn't understand what no means mm. when advancing on a woman. Uh, and then you've got stuff like Make My Milkshake, which was like a comic books comic skate thing, Hashtag. and uh, and the the Whisper Network. What are those? Two, what are those things? Those were the only ones that I didn't know when you sent me our notes here. Make my milkshake was essentially like almost the start or the opening salvo of Comicsgate. Okay. So uh, a, a group of female editors uh, and writers at Marvel. Mainly Heather Antos. I think. Um, I think it was me. It was mainly started by Heather Antos, who was the editor for point. Star Wars, and Gwenpool is how I know her. Mm. So yeah. Yeah, but that's that's that's, that's, not, that's not what he's about to go i know where he's going well, no go she was the part of keep going it, let him go let him go brandon uh, well she, uh at work they took a lunch and had milkshakes together and posted it on on social media hmm. all the ladies of marvel or ladies of marvel editorial hmm. having a sunday together hmm. <laughs> and shared it and hashtagged it make my milkshake like make my marvel yeah and it turned into this weird uh, backlash about women in comics and voices in comics and comic, the comics gate whole thing kind of used it as an example of them not doing their job. Well, I, I still don't even to this day understand why it was a problem of people that work together, having a milkshake together. Cause but it was in your face that it was all women. I assume is the, the I, you may, maybe that's the yeah. maybe that's the emotional reaction to it. Right, but then also, right. also just recently, and that was years ago. At this point, just yeah. recently, they had the whole thing of like the Whisper Network. So apparently, one woman was talking to another woman in comics about how a man affected them, hmm. and that was called a Whisper Network of they talk undermining to serious problems that they're having in their lives. I got you. But apparently, that's. Um, predatory against very innocent men just when two women talk to each other about them hmm. so i think it's it's these weird double standards that shouldn't exist but uh are slowly being made prevalent in the comic book industry so the question the yeah. prompt uh, with all that context and pretext is does the comic book industry have a systemic issue when it comes to sexism and harassment and if so how do you think that the comic book industry should respond that isn't going to cause even more fire, right? Well, first of all, I think that the comic book industry does have a systemic issue when it comes to uh, women and people of other colors um, uh, on the page and behind the page. I think I think it is definitely there, um, and I think that as those voices are being heard more and more and if those people and those voices are getting opportunities to shine within the 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 heart of the industry as far as comics goes and with that it's the big two marvel and dc with maybe mm -hmm. image and dark horse on the side um as well as because you know the the um the 
the path of entry into the field has been democratized so much over the last few years that more people can take their own shots and be successful in it, find an audience. Uh, those successes are the answers Hmm. That will change the system slowly and surely. Hmm. But those successes are, are 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 what will change the system. What we are hearing is, unfortunately, is the squeezing of that small minority. I want to I want to hope hmm. that it is rebelling against it because it goes against, you know how they feel things should be, whether or not they are racist, whether or not they are chauvinistic or sexist, what have you, they or they are just blind to the privilege that they have been afforded all these many years and that privilege being called on it put on uh, on display and they don't they don't like that. Yeah. They feel they're feeling that pinch. You know what I mean? I want to think that that's a very loud and vocal minority, but they are loud, and that's why uh, the our voices have to be as loud, but yeah. more deliberate and strategic in how we do it, and don't and don't fall into the trap of like you know just screen, matching screen for screen. Yeah, it's it's. I think it is more of a an issue of volume. Like they're so loud that it's starting to sound like they're the only voice and then that's inaccurate. But I did have a follow-up question though uh, with what you mentioned, like the way to win, win, the way to rectify it, the way to make it right, I think is probably more accurate, but is to succeed in telling those stories and getting those voices. Mm -hmm. I do believe that when you have a large audience, you also have a responsibility. Like freedom of speech is an inherent right but when a billion people listen to you, your freedom has a different responsibility than somebody just on the street, even though it is an inherent responsibility or a uh, right. Although you still have responsibility so, for just one person. Yes, but yeah. the ramifications of that responsibility are completely different. Very true. You know? Yeah. Um, so with that said, my belief, do you think that the big two and maybe Image have a responsibility to make moves towards progress, have a responsibility to highlight those voices or amplify those voices in order to combat? Or do you think that they are better served ignoring them? I think they, I think they do have a responsibility to do it. And I think that for the most part, they are trying to. Now, you could yeah. argue with maybe some of the, the their methodology of doing so, uh, of both. You know, you agree with some moves and some moves you don't agree. Some things um, maybe they, they give up on too soon. Um, and, and some things may feel like that, you know, a little forced. Um, but, you know, uh, I think they are trying to find their way. I think for the most part, Marvel has been a little forced in, in, in doing it, but for the most part, they've been successful in, yeah. in doing it. And and as, as forces some things have been, they've also done some things that have been smartly done as well. I think DC is slow to the slow to the catch up the train, but that's unfortunately the way DC has always always been historically go ahead brandon but i think i feel like 
I don't know. I always feel that DC is slower but better. Like I feel that like they like Marvel will put characters in their comics that are like representative, but then they'll like those characters will kind of be I don't know, for lack of a better word, like token characters. Like they're not really characters, they're just like like um stand-ins for people. Whereas I feel like DC will do the thing where they'll actually hire people behind the scenes mm. who are like are actually in the positions that need to be highlighted. Like I was just watching one of the Comic Con at home panels on um I think it was called like Out in Comics. And one of the creators was I forget what the book he worked on was, but it was one of DC's more recent books about a gay um character who like also discovers he has like aqua superpowers. And I feel like that's the type of thing that actually changes things because you're actually hiring a creator who knows what people are going through. And when that person tries to do the thing they want to do, you Mm -hmm. give them the leeway to do it. Like he was talking about how DC was super open to him, like having two guys kiss in a, in a book and things like that. Whereas when you look at like Marvel and you look at like Cena Grace, he's written a few things about how Marvel was very reticent to let him do certain things in his Iceman book with Iceman being gay. So it's like, if you put the character in a book and then you don't actually highlight the things that people like that go through, yeah. then it's not really worth it. Which is why I, I feel like Marvel definitely does more and the stuff they do is good. But I think that DC, in my experience, puts more work into doing doing it well as opposed to just doing a lot of it. JD. I have, uh, well, I, I, I'm sorry. I was with a customer. And so I, I've just sort of tuned back in. Um, and this may have already been brought up, but responding to, to Brandon's thing about having a character of a particular sexuality or um, maybe even race or whatever, um, is there something to be said for the person in that story? Who was, you didn't, You said there was a character who uh, had water powers and they were gay? Yeah, I'm trying to remember. It was like, it was, was a it the, young animal book, I think. Was it the OGN from Young Doctor, but then he made his way? I, I think he's talking about that new OGN. Yeah, that's what I'm talking oh, about. Oh, yeah. Oh, you brought yeah. me the ocean? There was an ad. Yeah, board. you brought me the ocean, yeah. You brought me the ocean. Yeah. So, yeah, my question is, is there something to be said for when a character of a certain sexuality shows up and that is not, the story is not only about their sexuality and it's mm-hmm. just, this is a story about a person. That person happens to have this sexuality yeah. uh, without focusing, you know, and I think to me that seems like a step forward where we can have a show like a, a show that is, uh, has queer characters in it. And it's not, um, what was that? Something at Will and Grace where every joke is right. about gay. Right. Right. Um, like we have a, we have a, a sitcom and it's got characters who are gay in it, but the joke isn't that they're gay all the time. Yeah. You know I mean? It's not the defining aspect of their character. And it's not the defining, someone's sexuality is not the defining aspect of their character in real life too. So I, I agree with that, but um, I lost my thought. Oh, is how, how uh, just devil's advocate, how is that much different than being colorblind? You know, like if you homogenize a race, because they're just like us or something like that, then you remove their culture from them as characters and it doesn't matter anymore. And that's when they become tokens, like like you had mentioned, Brandon. So where's the, I think there's somewhere in the middle, right? Like there's, right. you have to identify 
the the characteristics and the traits and the and the sexuality and the race. You have to identify that that cultural uh, aspect of the character, right? Well, but I think it can't be the basis of every single thing that comes out of their mouth or do. Right. It's just it's you can't ignore it, and you also can't only lean into it as a defining character trait because no one is like that. As with anything, there's a middle ground, right? Yeah. Well, I think a varied response is the case is what makes a lot of stuff work, right? Because there are people who that is, that's their identity touchstone. And there are people that never think about that at all in real life, you know, I think. Um, and uh, yeah, the diversity thing, Brandon, I think you, I think you came up with it exactly is that like doing it behind the scenes will produce good stuff in the scenes, you know? And I, I think about one of the kind of practical problems of it for DC comics, the big three are set, right? Like the main characters are set and it's very, very hard to get somebody into the top level. You know, um, I think that having Jon Stewart as the Green Lantern is like one successful version of that. I was interested in your guys' opinions about how you feel about Martian Manhunter being portrayed as black now. Like, does that count as uh, representation? You know, he's Martian. He's not black, but he is played by a black actor on on Supergirl. Um, and it's a way to get more representation. It's not it's not gender related, but it's representational. No, I don't mean nothing to me. I, I mean... I don't have no thoughts. He's, he's he's literally played by the most alien-looking black guy, anyway. So <laughs> it, it doesn't really matter. But that's not the only place that he has. You know, there's been a tradition. Right. I think it's like. Was I it, think he was like that in um in uh Justice in New Frontier. I think he was black. Uh, no, 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 no. Was he not? Oh my god. In New Frontier. Yeah. I think I think I uh, like not to that point, but going back to what Brandon had said too, like the, the right and the wrong way to do it, you know, yeah. to paraphrase uh, behind the scenes in front of the scenes, um, trial and error, essentially. Yeah. Um, I think we can probably all learn from, especially because these groups that we're talking about flip the F out, <laughs> trying to insert diversity into your big three that are set, right. You know, your main characters, even if it's just temporary mm. caused a, very uncomfortable uproar. Yeah. But switching out writers and staff, um, the uproar became underground and only on Twitter and only in YouTube channels where it was like really pernicious mm. and gross, where people were getting like doxxed and attacked. Uh, I, I, I don't, I don't fault either big two for doing either one. Right. Mm. Like I think as much as it didn't maybe work for Marvel, what they did, I thought, was spectacular. Uh, introducing characters like um, like Kamala Khan and Miles Morales and and the Mighty Riri. Thor, and Riri. Riri. Support, right? Like yeah. Miles Morales the, and Kamala Khan are still around. They're strong. All of them are still around. And like like but, yeah, but. they are. I, I don't know. <laughs> well, I just mean like when you think about like a few years ago, like you you remember like the all new, all different Marvel, and it was like yeah. um, it was like uh, what's his name, Sam Wilson, Cap. It was Jane Thor, and it's like those kind of people. Riri, I think, was the main Iron Man at the time. I think yeah. it might not have been, but it was like they were, they were like three. Yeah. yeah, I think so. I feel like just a lot of those things. They were like, "Oh, people don't like it," 
And I feel like they kind of caved a little early. Like the thing I think about all the time is um, Marvell. Like he died, and then people were mad, and they wanted him to come back. And I read something that the creator said because like he his dad had died from cancer, and so that's why Marvell died from cancer. And he said, when my dad comes back, Marvell will come back. Oh. And it's like a thing where because it was so important to him, Marvel stuck with it. And nowadays, yeah. they made a Captain Marvel movie, and it was Carol Danvers. It wasn't Marvel. Yeah. Yeah. So my thing is, like, if you stick with it long enough, I think, then people will get used to it. And I just think sometimes they don't stick with it long. Enough. But at the same time, obviously, if books aren't good, then I understand changing it. So it's tricky. I think the problem uh, was twofold uh, with Marvel, the all-new, all-different Marvel, which I, I really liked it. I am a person who has been reading comics for so long that – I want to read the next thing. I want to read the 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 uh, uh, what's the word the evolution of that thing. So I I like when characters pass on their mantles to other characters. You know, Kyle Rayner, Wally West, etc. Those are my favorite kinds of stories. Um, but I think with the all new, all different Marvel, I think the problem was that they did too many too quickly. You know, the the landscape was completely different. Like from one month to the next. All of a sudden, all the characters were different characters. Um, and then I think a lot of people had trouble with... Uh, Jane Foster was Thor, even though his name was Thor. All of a sudden, she had his name, Thor. Um, and Iron Man, the Iron Man book was actually Ironheart. So the I can see why people would be upset that the characters were being taken away from them because they're picking up a Thor book and Thor is now... a, a a different character, um, and Ironheart is not Iron Man. They're Ironheart. Counterpoint, for a year, Captain America was not in his own book, only his supporting cast. When he died, yeah. But, but uh, along that line, there were a lot of people that were really upset about that, but then the book was awesome, and they liked it. And or, there wasn't the racism, sexism element as well. Yeah, of course, that yeah. isn't. Yeah. I mean, it's it's still like the apex of strong blonde white guy versus all of these other characters that were replaced by people of color for the most part. This is, Do you think that blonde, there's something in it? Like with Captain America versus... Because right. Thor is also I mean, a strong blonde white guy. So I wasn't sure. No, I mean, I mean, like if you, if you, if you take that rationale where people... Where, which I, I think is true. This is just like a maybe. Hmm. People go to Iron or to the Iron Man book because they want to see Tony Stark as Iron Man. I get, but that happened with Captain America, where they went to the Captain America book because they want to see Captain America. But it was a supporting cast of different races for hmm. however long, oh, versus okay. replaced by Riri Williams for a short period of time, or Doom for a short period of time, or Jane Foster. Does that have anything to do with potentially, or did that give ammunition to shitty people to complain about it being women and people of color? Um, Samuel David chimes in and says, yeah, but if a book is not, is just not good, it doesn't matter how long you stick with it. But that's yeah. subjective. Oh, of course, it has to be yeah. subjective, right? But if you're not liking something, then, you know, maybe you can examine why you don't like it and maybe you'll uncover something about yourself and then you can like the book, but you might just not like the book. I mean, that is possible. I think a lot of the basis of it is, right? We, a lot of people, me included, like what, one thing we like about comics is the, the power fantasy, right? Like, oh, it would be really cool if I had super speed, like that kind of thing. 
And if you start with a character that has, you know, whatever powers and they are of whatever race or gender, that's one thing. But <laughs> there can be an element where you're like, wait a second, Thor is now a woman. I am one step farther from being able to imagine myself in the place of these characters. Now, this is not... This is not uh, to say one thing or another about how you should feel about those characters, but I think that that is part of where this anger comes from. That's my that's my guess. Yeah, that's I think delusion that's... versus empathy, though. Like yeah. you can empathize with any character, any yeah. character. Yeah, yeah. Like yeah. if you're if you're too delusional to not even want to take the leap to enjoy it, then that's 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 an inherent issue of the reader, not the story being yeah. successful or not. Well, I'm yeah. talking about, I mean, I'm empathizing with them. Like I'm trying to find where they are. Oh, coming I, you home. know what? Yeah, that's yeah. a really, that's a really good point though. Like as, as a cis white straight male, mm-hmm. it's easy for us to take those steps to, I get what they're mad about. I think it's incredibly irrational and stupid. Yeah. But I think I get the idea of, you having all of this control and a modicum of it being taken away. So it feels like it's the slippery slope. I, I mean, I, that I, representation I, is important, right? I, yeah. I, I understand themselves on the screen. And, I like, I understand it. I empathize with it. I get it. But I think that they're fucking wrong. They are. I think that they're, I yeah. think that they're evil and I think that they're angry and stupid. And I think that to, to, attach it to something as malleable as storytelling is folly. It's just, it's so cyclical storytelling, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's that that makes it even worse. It's not like, I mean, we haven't had permanent changes in comics since since Captain Marvel died and And they found ways to bring him back 1700 times as being either a scroll or a memory or time travel or like nothing really ends. But to put it to uh, a, a bit of a point, especially with the Jane Foster becoming Thor thing that did happen in the Thor comic book. It stayed in the Thor comic book. When the captain America dies, the comic book becomes the, the adventures of captain America's supporting cast. You know what I mean? Um, And even when, uh, you know, Sam Wilson at one time takes over captain America's comic it still is Captain America, mm-hmm. so there, there there is something to be argued about the forced nature of somebody like Riri Williams taking the Iron Man shot and then the book becoming Iron Heart, mm-hmm. as opposed to it being just a storyline in Iron Man that runs for however long it does. You know and what I mean? What about James Rose? Do people feel about I that? Mean, does anybody wait. remember? It was still Iron Man. It stayed it Iron, still Man. Iron Man. She mm-hmm. left her book. She left the book and then chose the name Ironheart and became and had her own book. So like, okay, that's right. Because yeah. there was still an Iron Man book still being. Yeah, okay. she was. She was just the. She was the um, supporting cast that was kind of upgraded for about. She got a spinoff. Issues. She got a spinoff. And, yeah. and that's the way that it's. And technically, that is the way that it is supposed. to to work um so which which then makes their argument ring hollow it's like what do you want you still had your iron man and she got her own book you can either not read that own book or not this comment's good 
you yeah. can argue whether or not it's forced. Sam, uh, Samuel David left us a comment. Why do we have to get rid of something good to diversify? Can't we just create new good kick-ass characters instead of getting rid of something that is loved? As a Latino person, I don't want to see a Latino Captain America. I love Steve Rogers. I feel you on that. However, it, um, to use the vehicle of Captain America, Iron Man, Thor as a window into creating a new character is just called marketing 101. <laughs> and I'm not going to knock them yeah. for doing that if they are smart about developing their that character um, so that it is something that is still yeah. out there and prevalent such as Riri Williams, um, Ms. Marvel, uh, 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 Miles Morales, Miles Morales, Jane uh, Foster's book now, Valkyrie. Like these were all ways to just mm. elevate them to their own original stories. All they did was leverage IP, which is what you're supposed to do. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. The the uh, most egregious thing, and then I've talked about it at nauseam. I'm only going to mention it again one time right here, and because it still pisses it pisses on my neck, is when and this is DC getting it wrong when they you know want to and now yes it is old bring back you know their <laughs> their the white guy to supplant the brother when they had a perfect opportunity there's no reason why John Stewart should be on the sidelines there's absolutely no reason for John Stewart to be on the sidelines because there was 10 years when John Stewart was the dominant green lantern in the DC universe. In a, and, in, from the cartoon, you mean? Like, from I'm the a, cartoon. Yeah. Wait, wait. It, well, keep going. Keep going. In many ways, he was people's introduction into mm-hmm. Green Lantern. Yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah. So um, to then force Hal Jordan, I'm not even talking about Barry Allen because y'all know how I feel about that that bore, but yeah. just about Hal Barry Jordan Allen. to force him <laughs> back <Allen>. onto, onto <laughs> the scene um, and then just like do some whole machinations of his of his character. Now he's a man without fear. You know, like get the f- out of here, man. Wait, wait. Well, he always was. Wait, so then no, he was. You say Not that just the man without fear. What about bringing Wally West back? Because to me, that's a very similar thing. But I, I didn't want to. I didn't. I didn't want to go on Wally West because that's that's replicating. That's I'm replacing not about- a white guy for a white guy. Yep. No, it's not. I'm talking about Wallace, who was originally black, and he was going to be the Wally West, and then they decided to bring back the red-headed was, Wally West, the and they made him all special, and they made him Dr. Manhattan and everything, and it's a very similar thing, but everyone's okay with that. But I don't, nobody's now, okay with it, because no one understood who the, like, the difference between Wallace and Wally, because editorially, they couldn't get their shit straight. No, nobody. So it's like, nobody like, like, we couldn't, we couldn't even... Go ahead. Uh, they didn't put him in the universe... As Wally West, he would, you know, like Wally West, second sidekick, became the Flash, was the Kid Flash again. Wallace, who the guy who became Wallace West, was not any of those things. He was like but, third generation. I think that was the problem with him was that he wasn't just black. They changed his character completely. And I remember hearing a complaint about him being like a stereotypical. Like Barry Allen met him as the Flash when he was graffitiing something and being uh, a lawbreaker, and I remember hearing somebody was like, 
what the hell is this? Why can't he just be black? Yeah. You know? I feel like people will only have that problem when they actually have a, pro- a different problem with the character. Like, people don't have a problem with Miles Morales graffitiing in Into the Spider-Verse. Like, people only have that problem when really they don't like the character, and then they're like, also, it's racist. This that's, was that's uh, something I've seen. opinion that I heard from somebody else who was writing. I mean, he was a black man, and he was writing it. Uh, like, I read that article. Um, mm-hmm. So... But- but yeah. the difference, but difference with Miles Morales doing the graffiti is that there is, he, there is something he's doing the graffiti for a reason. It's an expression. It's part. It's more to his character as opposed to him just being uh, that being a uh, 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 a way of showing that he's a lawbreaker. No, he, he also Miles, does it. He does it in the most lawful way possible, being an underground abandoned train station. <laughs> Right. And cleans off the stickers. Like it's <laughs> it's it's different. The characterization is different. It's just a quirk. Mm. Yeah. So the, there, there's the I, there's the difference there. Yeah. The, the thing with Wallace is they. So if people want to like get on a horse about like forced diversity, they did it based off the show, and then they narratively tried to squeeze that shit in somehow, and it didn't mm-hmm. make sense for most readers because. At already, DC continuity was not making sense whatsoever because they yes. skipped everything five right. years, but still wanted to maintain all the fun th- the fun stuff. Right. So like they they truncated it and switched it and cherry picked it, and now they're inserting a new character with the same name of a character that wasn't existing in the current continuity right. anyway. But then he was going to exist again. It was just broken from jump. And people were already upset about. People were already like yeah. Wally West, the Flash that I've loved for years. Yeah, yeah, it was it was just weird. Yeah. That's, that was just a weird uh, instance. Like, what do you guys think about the redhead? Have you guys noticed that there's a lot of characters that are that are changed to black, or were previously redheads, and I don't know. Is that still there's like a little bit of racism there? Where it's I can like, only think of two. Okay, there's uh, who is it? Um, Wallace the Lightning Lad. Yeah, Lightning Lad. Who was the first one? Wallace, Lightning Lad. Um, I think uh, Zendaya was playing MJ. And this is not to say, like, I don't. I am not expressing a problem with these changes. The uh, the issue that I'm expressing is, why is it always the redhead? Is that still symptomatic of, like, oh, we're going to give him an unusual-looking white person? You know what I mean? Mm. Well, uh, they replaced Nick Fury. That's true. That's true. He wasn't redhead. He was not. He was not. Well, it's not everybody. I just noticed this pattern. Ariel in The Little Mermaid. Um, and it could just be coincidence. Lana Lang in the upcoming Ariel in The Little Mermaid? There's an upcoming... Oh, on the TV show. Oh, in the movie. Oh, oh. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And Lana Lang in the in the upcoming TV show. Starfire. Starfire, also. Good point. I mean, well... Although she was well, orange. orange. Yeah. 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 <laughs> That's true. That's true. <laughs> my people are being shunned <laughs> um you know and all of this what we started talking about with sexism as well and it's interesting because in the very early comics lois lane is an incredibly powerful i mean she was a star reporter in the late 30s and 40s as and she's a been around for 80 years where's her special she had her it just ended i mean she it was a 12 issue special yeah. and it was spectacular you know what I was thinking, Len, is that they did Action 1000 and Detective 1000, and then when those were successful, they started doing 80-year specials. Maybe Lois will get an 85. 
You know, because it's been three years now for her. When did you read the Lois Lane book? I read a couple of issues of it. It was good. Yes. Hmm. Right. He's uh, a trade leader. Shut you up, no, up. didn't I, Specter? He's a trade leader. It's fine. We've gone off the track here. Of no, we were getting oh, friends and back to it. Yeah, and and the other thing is, I think it's really important. I suspect we hear about this in Hollywood, right? And we now have started to hear about it in comics. Those people are famous. I don't think it is a problem with Hollywood and comics and the entertainment industry. I think it is a problem with people in power. You know, mm. who is the CEO of whatever company that I've never heard of? How are they acting? I suspect yeah. it's just as bad, if not worse. And how do you fix that? Nobody's talking about them because nobody knows who they are. You know. Well, yeah, that's it. This is a this is a public. Um, the uh, entertainment industry, the comic book industry, music industry—they have. Um, direct access or fan direct access to the mm -hmm. end product the mm -hmm. other you know most powerful millionaires and billionaires in the world there's tons and tons of layers of unseen apparatus that are keeping the end user away from all of that right. Right. so there's no it's it feels like it's farther away and it's probably much easier to hide uh but now that the world is smaller and everyone these are like business people who went into business all's fair in business right like ah, it's just business yeah. These are very, uh, sometimes, at least with the artists, these are a bunch of sensitive people and it's still happening. You know, well, <laughs> you know. I, I, I think know. that this this is directly related to, to like the second topic that I put in that we won't even like have to go into it if you want to. But like going back to do publishers have responsibilities when you have an audience and a voice, do you have a responsibility? By all accounts, it looks like Dynamite Entertainment, Dynamite Comics was, I mean, in bed with Comicsgate, which is the largest group of, or I mean, we'll call them a hate group, uh, the loudest group that opposes these acts of diversity or these initiatives to to kind of, you know, open up the playing field, not take away seats, but add seats to mm -hmm. the industry and the audiences. So they got caught advertising for Comicsgate because uh, they had a, a, a program, um, which led to a lot of writers, a lot of creators, artists and writers uh, abstaining from working for Dynamite and a lot of um, retailers saying they wouldn't sell or buy. A lot of consumers stepping away, voting with their dollar. Um, this caused a big uproar. Uh, not only did those on the, let's call it the right side uh, of the argument, feel as though dynamite was bending a knee and shouldn't have to do this. And all it, all that matters is good comics. And then you had people on the left side of the argument saying, no, 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 this is the only control we have. So we're not going to work for you and or contribute to your bottom line. If we feel that you are um, out of line or supporting hate. So what they did was not only did they cancel what they were advertising, they also got rid of all of their crowdfunded, um, uh, projects, which usually most of the comics gates and or, you know, parallel groups would jump on top of. Uh, but they also issued a statement, which a lot of people thought was incredibly lacking. Uh, almost so much as uh, there was a shit ton of snark in how they talked about it. And I was, I, I want to read a little bit of it and I want to get your guys' impression if you hadn't read this yet, which is awesome. Uh, so it goes as follows. Uh, Dynamite Entertainment is a partner in the fight for equality and inclusion. 
Our company was founded on these core values more than 15 years ago, and they are essential to the creative process, the work of visionary artists and entrepreneurs that we are passionate about. Intolerance has no place in our company or our industry. The impulse behind this brief association that was of helping a friend of many decades and his family, and not how that assistance could potentially affect our valued colleagues, partners, and friends. That association is behind us, and this has strengthened our resolve to continue working with the most diverse talent in creating the best comics possible. They followed that statement with another paragraph uh, talking about all the women and people of color that they work with. Dynamite works with some of the most high-profile creators in comics and entertainment, including Gail Simone, Christopher Priest, Andy Mingles, Leah Moore, Kevin Smith, David Walker, Vida Ayala, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, and a host of upcoming talent. So in their statement, many people found lacking that they didn't talk about what the problem was. They didn't address any next steps as to how they would they would go farther. Well, um, they and they behind them. They under uh huh. They did say the association is behind us and it has strengthened our resolve to continue working. They didn't say specifically what they would do, but they, they, didn't, say, they didn't say what they say. Yeah, they didn't say what the association yeah. was at all. But they also gaslit the whole thing of it being, oh, we were just helping out a friend. I don't. Like, see we it. didn't know. I don't see it as snarky, to be honest. You can read it. Oh no. Way, but... This is not snarky. Right. How it was reported was snarky. Oh, uh, I gotcha. Okay. Yeah. So, like, a lot of the a lot of the sites were like, Dynamite made an apology. I think like those were literally headlines. Like the fact that it was it was it's very it's very milk toast and whitewashed. Of we didn't know that this was a hate group because we don't pay attention, and we were just helping a friend who just happens to have a million dollars worth of crowdsourced angry white guys. Like like they. They pleaded ignorance and then never said what they pleaded ignorance about. Just that Do we're we cool know, now, right? What's the like? What what are they talking about? Is the uh, so um, one of so you're familiar with Comicsgate? You're familiar with uh, Ethan Van Skyver? Yeah. Um, his right. inner circle, his like main five dudes of Comicsgate or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, they were taking advantage of this Indiegogo um, thing with Dynamite Comics, where they if they agreed to put a dynamite character on their crowdsourced stuff, it would turn into a whole thing mm -hmm. and they would be able to advertise through dynamite comics, their comics. Hate stuff. Uh, so not only was this happening, it was happening on the side for a while, like for like two years they were doing this and no one was really talking about it, but then dynamite started advertising it on their Twitter and that put people's eyes to it. And then that kind of created the rabbit hole of, how long have you been working with Comicsgate? Are you oh. a Comicsgate company now? Oh. And a lot of their writers and artists were just like, whoa, whoa, whoa what? Right. And right. then that kind of turned into this whole thing. But then it, but then it was revealed that like the create, like the the editor in chief or the the president of Dynamite, Nick Barucci, has been working with Comicsgate. Uh. He's been donating on their live streams. He he uh. helped set up EVS for all of his crowdsourcing. Like they gave him, like they were they were hiring all these guys for. Um, for variant covers. So like they have kind of been sourcing and right, right. and funding this indirectly. So yeah. to bring the conversation back, when it comes to when you have an audience, do you have a responsibility? Do you think that Dynamite is complicit in funding division? 
or do you think that they're just stuck in the middle of this division while trying to make a dollar? Hmm. And how would you respond to that as uh, a consumer? Hmm. Um, I want to think that they are kind of like stuck in the middle. I want to give somebody the benefit of a doubt that, you know, you do develop friends in this, in this industry, especially if you're a publisher and artist and you may not be fully informed on how they are politically or socially inclined because you may deal with them on a personal level and if you see like if i deal with case in point because uh i asked you guys earlier off mic about you know losing any friends who were trump followers right Mm -hmm. now i knew a guy who i was working like this little part-time situation and we both went through training together and me and him were like the oldest people in in the training situation so we kind of like latched on to one another older white guy we started we had you know could make the same references and we kind of like bonded with one with one another through the training we're cool we're cool as hell i mean like you know he wasn't like my best friend or anything like that but he was a good dude i I would go and it's like it was fun to see him like yo what's up what's up and we would eat lunch and whatever and then one day we had to go somewhere together, so he gave me a lift, and he had a Trump bumper sticker. And mm. I was like, ah, mm. you uh, follow Trump? And he said, yeah, I do. Mm. And so we had a minute, con- we had like a couple of minutes conversation about it, and could see that politically, we disagreed. Mm. <laughs> big, <laughs> big time, right? Bigly. Bigly, <laughs> right? You're but, not borderline. Is that is that accurate? That would be that would be <laughs> accurate. Accurate. I lean very far the other way. I am planking the other direction. Um, so, so you know, I resign myself to like, okay, we disagree here. Hmm. But for the most part, he seems like a good dude. He talked to me about his grandchildren, his mm. wife, and he seemed like a good dude. You know, I would have never thought any differently of him. But then after that, I started picking up some little things in how wow. he was talking yeah. and how he and who he like, you know, how you might make a funny comment about somebody or something. And I started making noting whom he's making the, the, the funny comments about. Mm. Right. And what he's alluding to in those funny comments. Mm. And I started to get a deeper sense into who he was. Mm. And I'm like, wow, for the most part, you're still kind of a cool dude. But I I can't I can't mess with you anymore, dog. And, and, And I had to disassociate. You know what I mean? And I, I want to, and I want to think there's an argument to be had from the publisher of Dynamite if he has a relationship with Ethan Van Skyver, who's yeah. like the biggest name in the Comic Skate world, yeah. that is on, on a more personal level. That maybe he didn't know the whole deal, and then once he does, he does it. He don't know how to act. Now, am I being maybe a little bit more forgiving of him than most people? Probably, but that's not a bad thing. Yeah. Yeah. I, think, I, 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 well, I'm sorry. Um, no, keep going. 
I think, to your point, I think that you can't unring that bell, though. Mm-hmm. So there was a there was a linchpin there was a linchpin piece of information that you were given that opened your eyes to all of the other things that that supported it. Exactly. Had you not had that linchpin piece of information, you wouldn't have noticed maybe all of those red flags. Hmm. Nick Perucci. Uh, JD has has come into oh. that just since you know he's not here. He says you have to pick up on those red flags with any new relationships, and Trump support is a big one for him. Yeah. So. Like, that's a great analogy, though. Like, if you didn't... Nick Berucci, now, or the, the head of Dynamite Comics, now has been made aware of this linchpin piece of information that would very much affect his bottom line in his business. Also, should affect how he treats himself or, or, or presents himself in any public forum, whether it's right. digital or otherwise. Right. It's a linchpin piece of information that should affect your actions going forward if you don't want to contribute to that sect, that group. Knowing that and the level of his response, because Samuel David here says, well, they did apologize. Isn't that good? It wasn't really an apology. It was a mea culpa. And they also didn't say what they apologized for Except I was just helping a friend. Hmm. That's that's as strong as I was just following orders. I was just, I didn't see him going. I just got out of his way. Like, that's not taking account for literally anything other than you being a good person and a victim. As a leader, own what you own. Say what you did and what you will do. This is weak. Just verbally, it's weak. I don't no know about that. No, I don't know about that. I think though, it's though. weak. I, okay, fair. I, I, I don't know about that because let's, you know, take it on its face value. He was helping out a friend, right? Yes. So, so maybe it really was about him helping out a friend. Now, like you said, he's got a key point of point of information. Yo, that runs against everything that we do. I can't, I can't fuck with you. Dude, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta cut ties, and he cuts ties. Now, as a business, he has to make a statement about it, right? But if you were indeed helping out a friend, then do you, you also now are kind of trying to walk a fine line? Maybe you're not as friendly with the dude, but you also are still, um. You also do have to deal with the personal relationship that you do have with somebody. So mm-hmm. you you do have to maybe couch what you're putting out there a little bit. Um, and could he maybe have put some more detail in it? True, maybe. But he does speak about what Dynamite is about. He does speak about which which as he puts it, is everything that Commons Gate is not about. He yeah. does speak about working with um, creatives who some are, uh, who in the names that he lists, are some names that Commons Gate have come out against. Yeah. So he is putting that out there as well, that he is put that he works with those people. So I am putting it out there that I am decidedly against everything that they put out. If I'm not 
coming out and saying it super dramatically in the words that you would out of perhaps respect to whatever relationship that I've had with somebody, then that's a bullet that I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to carry. But I am trying to tell you that I am on the right side of justice here. And I can say that because on the black tribbles, we've had to walk that fine line. We've had somebody that left our show for reasons of his own that were against some of the things that we, that we're about. And that person, for his own reason, has not chose to really put his story out there. And it is first and foremost his story to put out there. So I'm not going to put his story out there. We haven't and we won't. um, But we had to release a statement where we spoke about what we stand for and somebody's not here. Did we go into any great details about it? No, because it's mm-hmm. not our story to tell. But that's what we. But that's what we're going to tell our part. We're going to reinforce what we stand for. They're not here. We're moving forward, and that's what he's trying to do. And it's a. And, and yes, it's a hard bar to, to to cross and to get over, especially when you've got the world's expectations looking at you and everybody feels like they know the right way to say these things. None of you do because none of you are in that situation. And I'm telling you, as somebody that was in that situation, it is hard Mm. when you have Mm. a personal relationship with somebody and I'm not talking about the Trump dude, I'm talking about somebody totally different. A personal long-time friendship with someone and Mm. you've got to to in some way cut ties without maybe cutting as many ties because you hope to try to have some save something there. It's not easy to do. What's what's very ironic about this though is the people in the comics gate field are more offended by it than anyone else. No. Because they're they they deal in such absolutes of bend the knee, you're with us or you're not, that this was the equivalent of naming names, setting houses on fire, throwing shit at your door. When they tried to, like, he, he in essence, did and did go as far as, as that's unforgivable and impermissible to that group. So, I mean, why not just name it? You know, like, it, it, the, the way that the, the group has always functioned is in those absolutes, in those, like, really, really angry and scream it out and impotent nastiness. So this almost made everything worse because he couldn't address either faction in any kind of correct way. Do you know what I mean? That's why I feel it's weak. Not because I don't agree with it or he's trying to like get out there. And actually I'm a little upset because there's a lot of dynamite stuff that I love and read, but I'm not going to anymore until I feel like these aren't just empty words because they are a little weak. However, you know, he was trying to square the circle is like, that's kind of all you can 60%. do. I think at the end yeah. of the day, that is all you can do. Screeching at people, harassing people, um, you know, tweeting at them, doxing them, all this other stuff is just silly childish nonsense. When really at the end of the day, 
vote with your dollar, spend your money on the things that you want to spend your money on, um, support the things that you want to support. You know, whenever there's something I don't like, I don't, you know, if there's a comic I don't like, I go, well, that wasn't for me. And then I find another book that I like. I, I vote with my dollars. I buy the books that I want to spend my money on and I don't waste my time trying to bring down things, you know, comics or, or pieces of art or, or, um, you know, things that I don't like, you know, I just, well, that's not, but that's not always enough though. Cause like some, like if someone is comic skate, just like voting with your dollar isn't enough when, if they're going to screech, like if, if Gail Simone is going to constantly be getting like, like um, death threats and things like that, mm. you can't just have that be the only thing she's getting. And you can't have it be that like, because then it seems like people agree with it. Like sometimes silence, like, almost equals complicity, Brandon, right. whatever the word is. I think you hit on maybe a really great solution, but I'm not sure that that it was shined on enough. Uh, that can't be the only thing that she is getting, right? Do we have to yell at the Comicscape people? That's what I'm saying. But you say to Gail Simone, like, let's even it out. You, you like, tweet her how great she is. You know, maybe that oh. is uh, helpful. Isn't that literally what I just said? Right. Support, but people also, but like. people also have to know when they're doing wrong. Like you have to tell, like people have to know they're doing wrong. And I don't think that means screeching at them. But like, if you take into account like the Jay Lee thing, for example, he didn't know that he was working for Compscape. At least that's what he says. Right. So if you don't say anything, then he would just continue to do it. Like if no one told him, hmm. then he would just do it. Like something, you have to say something. I, you just don't have to be aggressive about how you well, say it. Uh, even that, the that is not against the thing that I'm saying. Well, you I, said I think to just you said just vote with your wallet and to not say. It sounded like you were saying don't say anything. That's not all he said. Okay, I I might have misheard. Um, I in, in like the but the Jay Lee thing is kind of it's kind of a perfect example of I didn't know. Oops. Um, but then also a part of the statement was that people like his statement that people didn't really pay attention to was that he emphatically claimed I'm not a part of any groups, meaning that he could still work for comics yet if he wants to. He doesn't care about mm. affiliation. So how do we as fans respond to that if it's important to us, whether you like that artist or not? Like, all right. I mean, it's cool. I know you're not a bigot. But if you get paid by bigots, I'm not going to give you my dollars. I'm sorry. Like, it doesn't matter. At that point, when you have an audience, it doesn't necessarily matter what you truly believe. How you move your audience is just as powerful or it's just as impactful. Hmm. I don't know. I, I, I didn't read it as him saying, like, he doesn't care. But I didn't read it. it, it I, but it could be. It was like, a, first of all, that was an awful scenario. Like, yeah, they were mourning their their dog's nobody death. Was and nobody, no, nobody came out of that good. Um, we should we should say what it is if we're gonna oh, like mention well, it. Yeah, so Tom King, who writes for DC Comics, um, saw that Jay Lee had done a cover for a um, comic skate. Cyberfrog. Cyber he yeah, he did yeah. he did um. For EVS, yeah. he did a he did a cover for Ethan Van Skyver, uh, Cyberfrog, and so Tom King said, "I'm disappointed." I tweeted about it without reaching out to Jay Lee, which I think was as soon as I saw this, I was like, "Did you ask Jay Lee?" Like, yeah, it seems weird. You guys are in the same industry. You think you could at least shoot off an email or something without calling him out publicly about it? Um, 
And so I think that that was a big problem is just being like, I'm going to shine a light on this guy, whether or not he knows about well, it. What happened was he said that um, Jay Lee did a variant cover for his book, um, Vorschach. And then he said that he doesn't consider that to be like the main cover. And he doesn't necessarily support that cover on his book because DC doesn't consult their writers when picking yeah, a book. And yeah. Yeah, I'm just saying why Tom King was getting involved in the first place is because it was his book. That's true. Yeah, it was was his book. Yeah, he didn't have any kind of control as to who would do the variant covers, and he just wanted wanted to make that clear. And he, by virtue, doesn't support, like, even if Jay Lee supports Comicsgate, I do not support Comicsgate, even though his cover is on my book. But he didn't actually do the legwork. He just jumped at, oh, shit, this might look bad. But he didn't do the legwork of actually asking Jay Lee or getting in touch with Jay Lee to find out any context. And it's stuff like this where I understand where people get upset at. I mean, never never mind the hypocrisy of saying you that you are against cancel culture and then canceling things. Um, but uh, I understand why people would get upset at cancel culture because some that was someone jumping out trying to cancel somebody without mm-hmm. all of the facts, right? Or at least reaching out to that person. So it's, it doesn't well, help. Then- Well, we should finish the story because like so then after that, um, Tom King later tweeted, uh, he talked to Jay Lee and Jay Lee didn't realize what comic it was. And he said, we're all good. And then a few days later, Jay Lee posted a picture on Instagram with a caption, a long caption mentioning that like he had been getting a lot of hate and things like that for this thing that Tom King had put him involved in. And he was dealing with the death of his dog and it had been a horrible situation for him. And he was really angry. I don't remember his exact statement, but he was saying he was really angry with Tom King for how he handled it. And he said, no, we're not all good. Yeah, yeah we're not and then Tom all King, good. Yeah, Tom King waited a few days and then he posted something on Twitter where he said, like, I was in the wrong. I shouldn't have done that. I have now apologized privately to Jay Lee and now I'm doing it publicly. He left the tweets up for a few days, he said, so that it didn't look like he was trying to hide them or anything. But now that he'd given them some time, he was going to delete them. And I think that's where we're at now. Yeah. And honestly, like as, as much of a shit that he was or, or responsive shit that he was to like do it. I do respect that kind of apology. Whereas this is what I did wrong. This is how I fucked up. This is how I will do better. This is what I've done to rectify it. I'm not making excuses. Now I'm taking them down for this specific reason as to not continue the, the narrative that I was incorrect about. And he just went away. So I, I actually do kind of respect that. There was no, there was no, um, there's no wiggle room in what he said. There's no uh, larger like, well, I don't support hate without actually saying what you don't support. Like these nebulous things of, like he was very direct with his apology, which I appreciated. And we'll just see if he follows through on it. If he doesn't do this shit again, I, that I, I would be for. I think that we have gotten to a point where, again, in society, where the uh, the side that we don't agree with is so it seems so bad, right? That to even empathize with them or to have any sort of admission, like, well, I was friends with that person, right? Is 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 passed out? Is impossible to do? and maintain being a good person, right? And, I mean, you guys know I don't agree with 
any of the stuff that we are arguing against now or at any other time on the podcast. But there, uh, there is an uncomfortable and maybe societally unhealthy response of, all right, you're out. You know, like you were friends with this person. You wanted to help this person. There is no nuance. You are out by association. I mean, in a lot of ways, the cancel culture, it's not going to produce a happy, unified, forward-thinking society, you know? Um, and you're right. People do need to be told if you believe they are wrong, um, if it's important enough, not always, but, uh, but told in what way, right? Told in a way that will get them to change their minds, or do we just want to yell at them and, you know, like not understand where anybody's coming from. And even even to say that sounds a little bit like I'm arguing in favor of them. Right. And I think that's a problem. That's yeah. the problem is that, that Brandon, like I'm arguing for them. You know, and the threat in, in our in our offline conversation, Brandon mentioned this. What's worse? Do you just ignore it and not give them an audience? Or is hmm. it more important to be informed consumers so we can make these decisions for ourselves? Hmm. Like. Do we just ignore it and not give any kind of credence to it or, or airspace? However, they mm -hmm. still have megaphones. Do we still ignore it? They still have audiences that they're indoctrinating. Do we still ignore it? I'm not saying ignore it. Oh, no, 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 no. I'm, I'm talking about okay. – you're, you're talking about the, the idea of don't jump and cancel, which I completely agree with. Hmm. Do your homework. Understand what you're doing. But it goes the other way too where we can't be so passive that – we're never aware of where we put our allegiance or we put our money. Passivity is not, is not at all, but, but that's part of the problem. The dichotomy seems yell or silence, you know? Yeah. I, and I think conversations yeah. like this is the in-between be yeah. completely aware of the context of where these things come from. Right. Yeah. I don't know what's happening with Len, but he's doing some weird stuff for the audio <laughs> listeners. I love Mbaku back there. Yeah, like a he's done. He's done. What's up? <laughs> I don't know what's happening. He's done. Nice. Oh wait, hang on. In comic books, I think it was this week or last week in one of the um Empire tie-ins, I got to find out what that meant in Wakanda. Yeah, in Bombay. Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. In Bombay. Yeah. And it's down. never been ex yeah, it's never been explained. <laughs> Hold fast. Have they, said that? Have they said that before? Is that a thing? I never knew it. Oh, okay. I mean, it was in the movie, yeah. Movies. Yeah. Yeah, it was Empire number uh, number three. Yeah. Yeah. Samuel yeah. David says, "Agreed, Brian. You can't force people to do anything. You don't want to ignore it, but you won't change anyone's mind by trying to force someone to think like you. There has to be another way." Right. It can't just be like like uh, Kingdom Come. Right. They got to a point where they just fought each other. Who was a hero? Who was a villain? They were just fighting each other. And Superman and and everybody they were like this is not this is not how it should be done right yeah and you know I've, I've, I'm on Twitter mm. and so I can see uh, most of this discourse if it could be called that is mm. is taking place on Twitter and it has gotten to the point where it's just anti here comics gate and then everyone else mm. uh, trying to dunk on each other. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> uh, that's, not, that's not furthering any conversation. It's just, oh, well, you did this. Oh, well, I did this. Well, you did this. And it's just this, you know, spider two Spider-Men pointing at each other over and over yeah. again. It's um, a fight, right? It doesn't. What do we really want? A better world. 
that look, won't produce it. But how do we do it? We don't know. So we fight. Yeah. You know? I look, I, I, I completely agree with that, but I'm also, I'm also slightly sensitive to how somebody like me, hmm. how, uh, privileged of a perspective it is to to have i'm not being persecuted yeah i'm not being homogenized i'm not being threatened how privileged i am to be able to step back and say hey let's discuss this because i'm not the one being trampled or or felt like i'm in a time clock of being silenced right yeah yeah so i i that's that's the other argument towards let's just all hash it out like no be mad you deserve to be mad. You're being silenced. Be angry. Sure, there's a second step. There's there's that other, there's like that second phase of now we address it. Right. But a lot of times these arguments turn into, well, that's not the way to get them to listen. Like, fuck you. Let them be angry because they deserve this for a second. And then yeah. we'll talk about the the you know, quelling the masses and right, but I'm not, but I'm not yeah. saying they shouldn't be angry, right? And that's the danger that we're in yeah. is that you can be angry and still understand the other side, and yeah. you know, and you can be angry on somebody else's behalf and still see where another group is coming from. And the only reason to see where they're coming from is to help change their minds, right? It's not like Hey, why don't we all play together? And you hate some people, whatever. It's all good. I'll look the other way. You know what I mean? It's to help change their mind. I need to know where it comes from so we can rip it out. You know? I well, you know what? Honestly, um, as an organism, the the comic gate itself, I mean, they are <laughs> to in my perspective, they are an imposing force to the relatively um safe equilibrium that was comic books before. Like it's just it's past it's storytelling for lessons as, yeah. as, as all as, as all greats like uh i think that's the morality are, right? morality porn right like yeah always do absolutely the thing, and i love that <laughs> and absolutely know? and yeah. and and as soon as it was widened to to include other people it became an issue and mm. and that's just empirically wrong right like because the morality remained the lessons are the same the stories are being told very similarly yeah so the only difference is that it's not this specific sex race or gender i mean empirically you're wrong to argue that it's no longer viable right if it was working for you before like just mathematically that makes no sense like um I told JD this before, the reason why I think, and I, I just, just realized that the reason why I think I'm loving Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles is because it's a different voice and perspective that I have never, ever read before. The current writer is writing a storyline, or um, uh, Sophie Campbell, who's transgender, is writing a storyline about people who were against their will put into different bodies hmm. that they were born with hmm. and how they're dealing with it. This is a Saturday morning cartoon spinoff that is dealing with a point of view and perspective about transformation that I have never felt before in a mainstream comic. Well, that's what I'm saying is that like behind the scenes, those people have new fresh perspective. They, I never thought of that with the Ninja Turtles. She did, you know, and that's why, why it's good to have them behind the scenes. But to a lot of these people that would be considered a diversity hire. No. Or like it was unearned. 
And that's absolute bullshit and it's wrong and it should be called out. Yeah. Agreed. <laughs> 14 hours later. Anything else? No, man. Oh, no. But, yeah, it's been a long time. Yeah. <laughs> been a long, lonely, lonely. And another thing. No. Let's all uh, just try to make everything good all the time for the future and for the present. Um, all right. Thank you so much for joining us uh, with a Cult Pop podcast. Uh, you, we will go live <laughs> every Sunday at 10.30 a.m. Uh, where we review Ish. that comic. What? 10.30-ish. <laughs> yeah, 10.30-ish. Um, Christopher St. Saucy, good night. We'll be there at 10.31, wondering why we're late. Um, 10.29. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, you can email us at cultpopgo at gmail.com or... Blacktribbles at gmail.com. Yeah. Uh, that's it. Let, oh, uh, what's our next book club? In case anyone wants to read along at home. Lucifer, Lucifer. volume one. Yeah. Yeah. So, by Mike, uh, uh, Mike Carey and Peter Gross, right? Now, yeah, uh, there's a few others artists in there. Yeah. Well, old school Lucifer, not the new series. There's multiple volume ones. Be clear yeah. which volume one it is. You got it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, also, it contains more than I realized. I just looked at it last night, and I was like, oh, yeah. I thought this would be volume two. Nice. <laughs> also, I think it'd be cool if anyone wants to comment on the YouTube video, like, about what we were discussing. That'd be cool, too. Yeah. I'll look at them. I don't know about everyone else, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. we get notifications. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, all right. I guess that's it. Uh, Brandon, where could the people find you? Uh, here. In my living room. Well, my dining room. Do you that's have a, about it. Do you have a Twitter? Do you have a... I mean, yeah, yeah but eh, don't worry about it. All right. Don't talk to me. Uh, I, you can find me here every Saturday morning or on the YouTube channel, uh, Cold Pop Podcast, uh, uh, Facebook page and social media, or you can directly at me uh, at Mr. Bartocci on Twitter. It's written right there. M-R-B-A-R-T-O-C-C-I. Right. Uh, I also am here on the show, as we all are, on Sunday mornings. Uh, I'm at brianleavedesign.com. And there's also an email associate, brianleavedesign at gmail.com. Um, if you feel the need to contact me, do so. Glenn. Hey, you can highlight a triple any place you find a black tribbles on social media. Find our podcast. We stream live every Thursday night at 9 p.m. The Black Tribbles Live. Uh, check us out. I also do another podcast, the Michelle Mission Two Men One mm. podcast. Every black film ever made. We stream live on Tuesday nights and go to Michelle Mission on YouTube or on, on uh, Facebook and check out our show Tuesdays at 6 p.m. This week we are doing BAPS starring Halle Berry. That promises to be a lot of fun. So uh, holla at a triple. Hit me up. Len, how far, how far in would you say you are with every, like, what percentage of, of every black film ever made are you at right now? I think we are rounding two. Uh, 2% of <laughs> black films that have ever been made. All right. Right. Yeah. So this yeah. will be on for a while. It'll be, it's, it's, yeah. This is episode 216, oh, and we've got a lot more ahead of us. Cool. Um, I guess that's it. Email, you could, you could tweet at me at JD's Hero Complex. Um, thank you so much for hanging out with us for most of your Sunday. Um, <laughs> we will see you next week oh also you know we'll probably be tossing up some thunder rounds later in the week in the midweek um 
Those are a separate thing now. So uh, let us know if there's anything you want us to do a thunder round on. Thunder round. Thank you so much for joining us, and we will talk at you later. Yeah.